gentlemen i hope you enjoyed that about call me maybe of course we are still trying to get rob Bahanrahan of sporting cork on the phone double n is working his magic fingers on that so i hope you enjoyed as well about uh ivan Chidkov because again <laughs> what he said about like you know the stuff been talked about local that they had a great game and so on that it was a bit well nonsense or crap as he said um against his aging or aged uh uva team well we've already decided that like mr ronaldo he was in a bit of a sulk so well that's that's him, you know, in, in, in a bundle for you. That's what he does, like, you know. Um, before we go to Alex B as well, because we're going to get him in just a moment. Um, a recap again of the main sto- scores of the weekend for the English Premier League. Chelsea winning 2-0 at home against Crystal Palace. Uh, Burnley 3-0 against West Ham. Newcastle 2-1 against AFC Bournemouth. Everton finally getting some points on the board, and decently so. 2-1 away to Southampton. Spurs slipping up 1-1 against Sheffield United. Sheffield doing quite well, of course. That 2 new win for Leicester City over Arsenal. Okay, so looking then a further field to Spain, 4-0 for Real away to Ibar and 4-1 for Barcelona at home against Celta Vigo. RB Leipzig they won 4-2 in the German capital against Hertha Berlin. Uni Berlin, well they did okay for the, the capital, they won 3-2 away to Mainz. Schalke 3-3 against Fortuna Dusseldorf and Bayern <laughs> 4-0 against Borussia Dortmund. That is so win, you know. And of course, uh, PSG, they beat Brest 2-1. It always makes me laugh like here, like the, the French city of Brest. And I went there and I got a picture taken of myself when I was oh, about 20 years old um, with a, a camera and got it processed a whole lot. And the 
chemist where you, we used to get them the the film process back in Ireland was kind of offended. He said, "Why are you taking pictures? Like, what's so funny about that?" And I said, "It's breast." And he goes, "And?" And I just thought it was kind of well, you know, I was just barely out of school and I was giggling away. Um, right. Now, we're going to go to Alex B. in just a moment. Um, and he has some real scandals for us as well. And also, he's going to give us a quick look ahead to today's big, big game over in North America. Of course, that is the MLS final between the Seattle Sounders and Toronto FC. Mr. Alex B., how are you doing? No, I'm fantastic. How are you? Oh, listen, that's great. Listen, how was your time down in California? Oh, fantastic, fantastic. I was, I was finding the Warriors fans to shove it in their face. And listen, was, was, the, was the weather better there than there than the uh, freezing cold north? Actually, no, not at all. It was, it was quite cold up there as well, cold down there. And listen, tell me, um, when you went down to California, did you feel a bit ashamed that you're in like such a, a nice state, like where the Golden State Warriors play, where the Lakers play? Did you feel kind of a little bit embarrassed that you're coming from Toronto? Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. I wore my, I wore my Raptors shirt every day. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still alive. They gave me those, those dirty looks, but you not give me dirty looks, but at the end of the day, we did win. <laughs> that's good listen um, quick question today of course as we mentioned Seattle Sounders are playing Toronto um, or uh, Toronto FC I mean that's great for Toronto FC I mean a, a, you know, really really good do you reckon that they're going to sort of like make it a great year for Canada by winning the MLS title uh, I would certainly hope so I mean this is the biggest chance they've ever had and uh They've had some pretty big games that they won last year, so they've definitely seen them become way better since last season. So this year, I'm hoping they would win, but this kind of like who knows. I mean, of, of the last say five games, like they've both both teams have won two and uh, they've won two apiece, and they've drawn one. Uh, Seattle have won the last two games in May and uh, May last year and April this year against Toronto, but. Um, how big, can you just tell us, how big is soccer in Toronto? Uh, to be honest, it's not that big. It's not huge. Uh, if, if they do end up winning, I'm sure it's going to become way bigger next season. But right now, it's uh, you don't... You just every once in a while just hear that, oh, we're in the finals. So it's still kind of like a niche sport. Well, look, I can see uh, the Toronto Raptors, just before we go on, I know you have a couple of really, really juicy stories for us, but um, the Raptors are second in the Eastern Conference. They're 6-2. and two. Um, I know they're one game back behind a 7-1 and one team from Boston, but you guys have started the season quite... You, <laughs> you started the season quite well, Alex. I uh, know, that is true, because we've had... Um, well... The opinion of the Raptors is mostly that Kawhi Leonard left and they're going to become like bottom of the league. So and like everybody's predicting the same thing that happened to Cleveland after LeBron left. But actually, we do have a very solid team uh, even without Kawhi. We have lots of young guys that are stepping up. So like right now, they're doing very very well. I mean, look, you, you, it's. I mean, that division from. I don't think there's going to be any. So you, I don't think there's going to be anything happening like in the playoffs, but I think second round playoff is where they're at. 
Okay, so well, that's uh, listen. The main thing is getting back into the playoffs and um, at least winning around. That 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 is important. Over in the West, of course, the Lakers they are top. Uh, they are seven to one as well, just like Boston, who are top of the Eastern Conference. I oh, just to remind you of that. Um, the Lakers are doing well oh, because okay, <laughs> I mean that's that's good. Like you've got the two LA teams, them and the Clippers. Uh, Clippers are in fourth. Um, I mean, is did you expect that the Lakers would actually be doing quite well this season? Because I mean, they're they're four and zero at home. Um, do you think that you know this is a people are surprised? Even the Lakers are surprised. Um, so since la- last year, they were one of the most dysfunctional teams in the NBA, and they managed to overcome that within one summer. So that's definitely been a very the best center and the best small forward in the league, and so they've also switched up their almost their entire team. So right now they have a lot of guys that are ready to play good basketball. So right now that's kind of like the Lakers are probably the favorites to win the finals this year. Oh, oh, that is so. Looking down down the other end of the league, you've got the two and eight Golden State Warriors. I mean, what the hell is going on there? Um, injuries. Okay, injuries. Right now their startup, their starting lineup is like a college lineup right now. Just because all their superstars have either left or are currently injured. That is nuts. That is not okay. Look, okay. Um, overall, right now, I mean, looking at the, the, the it's, of course, very, very early in the season. Um, you, you are looking at the Lakers to go on and win the whole thing, correct? Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, I am. So okay, okay. So listen, getting on to some good uh, juicy gossip. You have a couple of scandals that have been brewing uh, for us. So the air is all yours, Alex. Fire away. Uh, well, I mean, the first one is the whole Nike scandal, where uh, of course Mr. Salazar. Uh, so essentially, there's been this whole thing about uh, these track and field. Uh, girls that uh, have been under like a lot of, that have been under pressure to do doping because because of their like a lot losing the weight and like things like that. So like there's been like a chance of him like uh, getting 16 year old girls to like lose substantial amounts of weight and sort of allowing them to do doping. So hold on, Alex, just let me get this right now. Not so this scandal, not a good look, Nike. So this is this is from the um, the Nike Origin project. This is Salazar and some of his guys around him bullying women, bullying young yeah. girls, basically saying like you've got a fat behind or whatever that, and you need to lose weight. Um, and and what's the reaction been like in North America to this? Um, again, it's not that big because it's always it's always going to be like football, hockey, and basketball around here. So, but in the with the Olympics coming up and things like that, everybody is obviously... Again, this isn't huge news, but this is not a good look for anybody. Okay. I mean, we saw the same with British cycling. We're going to speak about it later on with Dr. Freeman because they do the same. These coaches were um, verbally abusing women, saying, like, you're, you're fat, you're lazy, yeah. just go off and have kids, you're not worth it. Which is, you know, in every case, I mean, you can, you can rip on somebody, you can really give them a hard time, but at the same time, if it's non-stop and it's, and it's very, very, you know, 
directed at somebody, it, 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 it is a cause for right. concern. Um, okay, look, no, that, that's, I know you're going to keep an eye on that for us in the next couple of weeks uh, to see if anything blows up even further with it. So what, what else is on the menu over there? Uh, well, the other big thing is, um, as we've discussed uh, last week, the um, fight between Canelo and Kovalev, which Canelo, unfortunately, won. Um, <laughs> the, so the, the thing that happened there was, um, on the same night, we had the fight between for the BMF title between the um, between Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal. And so these two fights, these two main events happened, were like happening at the same time, and the UFC went to Oscar De La Hoya and they essentially forced him to wait until their show, which was just like unheard of before. Or so, like one company go to another and tell them to wait. Now hold so on. Pictures right now of yeah. Kovalev and yeah. So just just let me let me yeah, just so be- there's like pictures of Kovalev and Canelo that are just like sleeping on the couch waiting for their fight. And they're both world champions. Oh, hold on now, hold on. So, uh, so Oscar Del Hoy, yeah. we know, is called Golden Boy. He's the ex-Olympic uh, champion. He was world champion, multiple uh, world champion in boxing. And now, of course, a very successful promoter, manager, entrepreneur, and so on. So his promotion, right. of course, was this absolutely huge fight between Alvarez and Kovalev. Uh, Kovalev, who was battering yeah. the crap out of Alvarez the whole way and then got caught late and, and just basically collapsed. And oddly, oddly for me, Alex, the, the, the talking point for me was that... Um, Alvarez was leading on scorecards. And I don't know what fight that the, the, the referees were watching, but, you know, I, I would almost say that maybe they, you know, they were either smoking something that maybe De La Hoya gave them because it was a shock. But anyway, anyway, going back onto it. So these guys, the two world yeah. champions, like superstars of boxing, had to wait until this guy who just got off a drug charge, Nate Diaz, finished his fight in the UFC. Right. So, like, where, where's the sense in that, Alex? Uh, well, yeah, again, it's a, this is a way bigger fight for boxing than the Diaz fight is for MMA. Because these are two world champions that are fighting for the light heavyweight title. So, of course, like we've had Canelo go up two weight classes. Canelo is probably the biggest uh, active boxer right now. And again, about that fight I was following, it, I couldn't find it anywhere. So I was just like finding like scorecards. And it was pretty even up until the point of Canelo knocking out Kovalev. So... Uh, yeah, but there's also been this whole thing that Canelo was the favorite to win that fight. Kovalev was somehow the underdog. Canelo yeah. did end up knocking him out, so I don't know what happened there. But yeah, this is definitely, this just shows the leverage that the UFC has right now. I mean, that's insane. Listen, before we go away, Alex, um, we didn't want to speak about it because it's as far from sport as anything. But supposedly, the biggest ever uh, internet event in history, whatever that means, uh, took took place last night at the Staples Center out in uh, California, where you had two guys who previously fought each other with head guards and like white collar boxing. I mean, these guys wouldn't box eggs. You know, they, they wouldn't box your clothes if you're moving. They, they, these guys wouldn't like box snow off a rope. And yet, they're both got professional terms. One guy from England. They're YouTubers, whatever that means, basically tubes. The YouTubers, and they fought yeah. each other. And millions of people watched this. Like, what the... Can you explain what that was, Alex? Ah, uh, yes, I think I saw I saw that fight yesterday actually, and it was 
probably the most ridiculous sporting event I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had like, so first of all, we've had legitimate like title contenders fighting on the undercard of that match. So then, as they as they showed the um, uh, the uh, well, their like reach, height, and that is like things like that. They also showed their followers on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, which was a very strange thing to show on like on like the card. And so then, as they came out, they've had like all sorts of like celebrities. Like everybody was like, uh, we've we've had like in um, I believe. Yeah, in Logan Paul's corner, there was, um, <coughs> we had legitimate heavyweight champions. <coughs> and KSI was coached by Jeff Mayweather. Oh, no. So, the, I'm sorry. That was, that, and, I didn't mean to say. So they actually took care of this, and they've had, um, they both went to legitimate like fighting camps, and now they've had a professional, uh, professional fight. And it was actually not as bad a fight as you would think. Because they're both like they both took this very seriously, but it was just a very weird like environment. I mean, for for, for me, I can't understand it. You know, like I've you know, boxed for twenty years, and and so right. for me, it was like kind of it's not being snobbish because everyone has to start somewhere. But just the whole uh, ear uh, like aura, and because you had like you know two world title fights on the same bill, you got Billy Joe Saunders who is now going to look to fight Canelo. And you've got uh, Devin Haney, who um, you know, won the World Light, Lightweight title. Uh, Billy Saunders, of course, um, uh, from Britain, is the World Super Middle. But looking at them, there's other, like, right. you, know, uh, you know, two guys who are like just big guys fighting on debut. It's like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, is this, is this the way it's going in North America? Because now, okay. do you reckon, Alex, is, uh, uh, should we see more of these? Uh, well, the first thing is, it was again, it was very, very theatrical. Like you had uh, the guy who was from America, he had these like rocky like shorts, like with the American flag on. Them. Oh. The guy from the UK, he had the he had like an actual violinist to come and like sing like "God Save the Queen." <laughs> it was very like tried to make it like this USA versus like UK thing, like. Um, but at the same time, it does bring in a lot of money and it does give promotion to all these like smaller boxers because we've had a lot of people watching this fight. And since the undercard was pretty large, they got, um, well, they learned about all these new boxers. So it doesn't really take away from anybody else in the sport, except for it's just kind of disrespectful. Okay. Listen, I like, I like that. I like that. Alex, you, you have a great week. Stay warm. Don't get eaten by, uh, any bears. Okay. Yeah, you too. Okay, thanks, Alex. Okay, that's Alex B calling in from Toronto. Right, and in terms of boxing, we have an emergency, and of course we're going to play it with this song, uh, Emergency by Icona Pop. We'll be back with Jonathan Higgins after the break. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
Начинай свой день с Capital FM и Dina Mild. Где бы ты ни был, даже в душе. Каждое утро на 105 и ТФМ снова с 7 утра. Yeah, but like, I mean, I think everyone's just like talking about that fight and, you know, just two pair of clowns, like, you know, YouTubers, I mean, just joint tubes, but... Welcome back, folks, to Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. I am still Alan Moore, and of course, we have had the best news, views, reviews, previews, and interviews in the world of sports. Um, and of course, we're going to go over to Dublin right now to uh, catch up and talk about that Liverpool game today because, of course, it was important because, in our opinion, that's it. We called last year very, very early on Man City have this title no matter what, and we were right. So we will give the kiss of joy or the kiss of success to Liverpool in just a moment. Now, very, very quickly uh, to run through a little bit of gossip that's been going on uh, Kylian Mbappé the PSG striker they are talking about extending his um, contract uh, because uh, he you know they, they, they want to well I mean there's, there's money issues there but they want to give him like uh, a bit of extra time okay everything they're going to try and get rid of their uh, Dutch keeper Martin Stecklenburg, Stecklenburg because uh, his contract is up next season so they're trying to get him out of the club in January get a bit of money for him as well um, as you mentioned earlier on Arsenal they, they have held talks they said um, <clears throat> supposedly with uh, Luis Enrique uh, to come in for Unai Emery of course at the Emirates so it's an, I know a bit of a strange one feels a bit odd um, another odd one because I meant to ask um, Ivan Jitkov about this this is about the Leon striker X uh, he's only what not even, in January he'll be two years gone from Man United Memphis Depay uh, <laughs> excuse me um, that Spurs are going to try and bid 50 million for him for the striker from the Netherlands. Okay, it's going to be an interesting one. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, elsewhere around the league, of course, Jurgen Klopp, he is saying that he is not going uh, to let Dejan Lovren leave. Lovren, of course, is 30. And I don't know if it's, um, <clears throat> his contract's up next summer, but it could well be. Uh, and and we'll, we'll ask uh, Jonathan about that. And um, Wolves, they are going to sign... PSV Eindhoven's 17-year-old Dutch defender uh, Nigel Lonvik, Lonvik, uh for about £200,000 sterling. That's what? That's around, mm, well, what? 1.6 million rubles. Would that be right? Yeah, around that. 1.6 million? Or maybe, yeah, about that in January. Okay. And another big kind of bit of news that the Champions League final will be held in 2024. That's only just five years away now. It'll be held in New York. There you go. So the first time. So, I mean, when I don't know if this is a bad idea as holding uh, a final or a big, big match down in Azerbaijan when there, you know, there wasn't the services getting into the stadium. But, well, well it remains to be seen. Who knows what UEFA are going to do? OK, so we're going to go straight away to um, a man. Like, I, I'd say he is the voice and, of course, the face of News Talk Radio. He's also the face on uh, Ireland's TV3. So, um, Mr. Jonathan Higgins, can you hear us loud and clear? I can't, and no, it isn't over. Oh, <laughs> you're downplaying it. So listen, today's game, I mean, you know, Liverpool, I mean, there, there was a lot of nonsense being spoken at halftime that Liverpool weren't that far ahead, that, that City were getting the, 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 the hang of them and so on and so forth. Was it closer than the, the final scoreline uh, reflected, Jonathan? It probably was. Um, I was hubbing and hawing in the in the preview. Would it be two two or three two? Liverpool. It was, it was always going to be that type of game. 
yes, Liverpool's shot ratio was exceptional. It seems to always be in these big occasions where it's almost a smash and grab approach and the ball of the, the, the boom and Anfield noise kind of sucks in a couple of goals. It, it seems to go that way at times, particularly against Man City, actually. Um, it was a very close game. Like you got to take a take a step back and almost breathe again at the moment and just appreciate how lucky you are to be able to see I would say two of the best teams in Europe at the moment just going hell for scheduler uh, at each other and um, no, it, was a, it was an enthralling game I'm still emotionally obviously as a bit of a Liverpool fan deep down as well I'm still a little bit more uh, exhausted and drained afterwards but it was a fascinating game of football and it was very very close it was it was always in the go either way and ultimately we saw that today um, I, I mean, last year when we were we were obviously we were following other leagues, we were looking to the, the English Premier League, and as soon as you, you could see Man City starting to grind out wins and get not just be dominant, but just really beat the, the, the teams around them, you're kind of figuring, yeah, they've 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 got this, they really have this. Um, we've been discussing here in the studio and last week as well that the same kind of feeling is there for Liverpool this year as well. Why why would you not say, listen? It's done deal. Why would you just say, like, uh, we have this? Because there's such a long, long way to go. And you only have to look at the Liverpool fixtures over Christmas. It's it's manic. It's 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 crazy. Like, the, the Carling Cups um, game, along with the World Cup game, has highlighted the whole things. But even uh, leaving that aside, there is a, there's a huge volume of games to come. And Liverpool have been quite... in terms of key uh, injuries I know they had Alisson at the start of the season but the core of the outfield players have, have, have been managed to stay fit and unfortunately from a City point of view they've had a couple of nickels in, in key positions and ultimately it does tell because these, these games are you're talking about the couple of percent and what, what really more than anything obviously there was a lot of skill involved and there always in, the game, in these games but often the case it roll, it's a case of rolling up your sleeve and it's that spine you saw Primarily with Vincent Company towards the, the kind of that amazing run that Man City went on at the end of last season, and you know he 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 I know he scored that absolutely worldly against Leicester, but he would never class himself as the most skillful player. He was very much the leader, the kind of the the, the, the steward on on the ship that really gets things over the line. And Liverpool have that strong spine now. You look up in the middle of the pitch today alone, even. And, you, you know, Alisson, Van Dijk, Fabinho, Firmino, Mane, you know, they're all... They're all key players. And you look at the spine from, say, Tickman City's team from last season, Edison, Company, Silva, um, they all were missing today. So that that's they are big, big key positions. And particularly in games like this where the, the game is so helter-skelter, it's 100 miles an hour. Yes, Liverpool are in a great position, don't get me wrong, if you look at the overall sense, but there is such a long, long way to go. Obviously, I, I think it, it probably is, I'll, I'll go and say it, it's Liverpool's probably to lose at the moment, given the, the lead that they have over City. But it's these these runs, they, they, you know, you're not talking about another a normal season, we'll call it, where, you know, if you get this type of a lead and that's it, you're talking about a team as good as Manchester City. It's, it's, it's still, there's still going to be a lot of twists and turns ultimately in this, I feel. Well, listen, um, of course, we saw midweek uh, Liverpool, you know, getting, getting over the line. Um, it wasn't easy, of course. Like, they, they, it, you know, they, they took the lead against Genk. Um, and then, you know, kind of, well, they won it early in the second half. But they are now qualified at least for the Europa League and most likely, next round, uh, knock around, but they will most likely get through to the next round of the, um, the Champions League. They have, of course, Napoli at home on uh, November 27th. 
Um, do you think maybe that Europe is a bit of a distraction this year that they could maybe, I don't know, should they focus more on the Premier League or do you think it's good to be fighting on all fronts to have the squad for that? Oh, with a club like Liverpool, you have to be fighting on both on both regards. Um, I remember interviewing towards the tail end of last season where I was kind of a little bit of the opinion I was kind of leaning towards it. Should Liverpool kind of look to just secure the uh, the try and the, the Premier League challenge and go with that, or maybe just leave Europe to one side? And straight away, Phil Bab kind of turned around and nearly, his eyes nearly shot out of his head and said, "Like, why not win both?" <laughs> well, I guess that's that's the mentality of a, of of a of a, of a a pure winner or whatnot. I, I I do think that if you look the priority for both teams, Liverpool and Man City, um, is completely flipped on its head, and they very much would bite their hands off to do a complete swap and do a trade of last season's trophies. Particularly from a Manchester City point of view, if this run stays at is and you know it's coming in towards the tail end, when the games get thick and heavy and they're coming thick and fast. If if there was an opportunity to to go hellbell because look we know how obsessed and how important I'll even go as far as saying that winning the Champions League is towards not only Guardiola's uh, CV but the whole Manchester City as a club they really need to you know make some sort of a was I think Mourinho called it a football heritage they need to start winning European Cups to really put themselves on on the next level and to grow the club to where. To, to be as good as it should really be, given the, the level of squad and the level of managers that they have. So don't give me. I think from it's more from a Man City point of view. I still think that Liverpool team. The, I think it's been being described as before as a, a love of. It's the old cliche, and I know it rubs people up the wrong way, but it is very true. Um, a European out at Anfield under the, under the lights is a special occasion. It's, it's hard to describe, but we've been lucky to witness some amazing scenes over the last couple of years in particular. But it is there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a very strong bond between Liverpool and European Cup involvement. And despite the desperation and almost the insanity of, of wanting to get the Premier, get the league title back, Europe will always still be a big priority for Liverpool. I mean, of course it would be because I mean, okay, you look at, at uh, Man City, okay, since since 2011 they've won four Premier League titles, um, but they haven't won anything since the old Cup Winners Cup back in 1970. Now again, look, and then they've, they've won a couple of uh, FA Cups, but they've only had two FA Cups in the last 40 years almost, actually, since 1969, or 50 years actually, excuse me. Um, so, I mean, they that is lacking there in, in Man City, even though you know they're top of their table. They've, they've they're at least you know they're they're top on ten points ahead of Shakhtar, Dinamo, and Atalanta, probably the weakest group in the competition. Then you look uh, you know sort of down the road to Spurs, who are battling out with Bayern Munich, Resar Belgrade, and Olympiacos. Um, and then looking at the English league, Jonathan, I mean, you know, who would have figured that Leicester City were going to be in second place and Chelsea would be up there and they'd be ahead after 12 games ahead of Man City? Has that, Have Leicester surprised you this season? Um, I guess to a certain extent. I had a feeling that they would be quite good this season. They've surprised me. I think they've taken it to another level, as in they've kept this kept the run going like you remember if, you, if we remind or kind of rewind our minds back towards the end of last season prim, primarily after when Brendan Rodgers took over Leicester there was that big bounce bounce really it's always that kind of sugar rush that you get with a new manager in charge but they've kept that run riding that result for them but the best thing that you'll say about that result is 
it was a result that you pretty much expected. It was a result in form. Uh, there's no doubt about it, um, for my mind, that Leicester are the third best team in the league at the moment, on form, and, and rightly so. Now, I think 1-11, to they're exceptional. Again, I, I guess, in, to a certain extent, like Liverpool as well, is you'd worry a little bit once you go out of the 1-11 to if there is injury in key, player, in key areas and they have to rotate, it, rotate in a little bit and chop and change. There's probably a, a good kind of down drop from that. But Leicester are played fantastic football, and not only that, uh, Brendan Rodgers has he's had a complete renaissance. He's back, and you know tactically he he evolved and outmaneuvered Emery Friday night and, and completely or um, Saturday night, and they they completely outwitted them and dominated the game. And saw so stat doing the rounds that really sums it up. Really, Arsenal, despite all the attacking players they had on the pitch. A, a shot and goal after the 53rd minute which is and that was shocking. really down to Leicester getting their tackles right and really pushing up and going through so yeah no, they're, they're in a great shape and uh, it's it's from a personal point of view I think it's it's great to see said Brendan Rodgers he got it probably things went sour for him towards the tail end of Liverpool there was probably issues a combination of some mistakes by him he was still quite young in his management career he made mistakes there was other mistakes made at the club um, he probably got ridiculed a bit probably a little bit down to his own fault as well as the Accusations of egos, etc. But you know, he's he's got back. He's done got his career back on track. And uh, he Leicester are not only they're a good team; they're a brilliant team to watch. Listen, before we go away, um, uh, a couple of quick questions on the Euro twenty twenty qualifiers. Now, I'm just going to just ask you about Ireland, of course. Ireland, are top of uh, Group D. They are on 12 points. They're level on points, of course, with uh, Denmark. You've got Switzerland then chasing hard in third place on 11 points. And Georgia, well, they're not, well, they are kind of out of it. They're on eight points in Gibraltar, of course. Well, null point. Um, but looking at Ireland, you know, do you reckon, okay, Ireland will have to beat Denmark to have a chance to, to, to at least to try and finish top of the group. Do you think that's possible? Um, or do you think that it's just basically... I don't know. It's, it's it's going to be harder and harder for Ireland now to try and make it to the Euros next next summer. Yeah, no, it's definitely got, got off a cliff. Really, the um, Ireland are being depressing to watch the last couple of months. That tactically they've been awful. They've been kind of getting. I feel a couple of results uh, kind of against completely against their own play and got un, undeserved results. And it kind of has put them in a, in a false hope. Um, it's dire straits at the moment. Um, keep going back so difficult to watch I feel I've, I'm you know adamant that there's wrong decisions being made as well you have a situation where you have a manager in charge McCarthy and it's probably it's probably understandable given how he's if he's looking from a personal point of view but he's literally so tunnel vision he's making decisions for here and now not for what are slightly better towards the development and oh, we're, we're so bad to watch at times and you have to question there seems to be a big loyalty towards picking players that have served the manager well and in a, uh, before and not to bring we have an ex- you know we have some ex- not not a lot but we have some exciting Irish players in in the in the Premier League and the Championship as well and it doesn't feel like it feels like there's a reluctance to to blood them in and give them an opportunity and yeah it's going to be a big ass like you, you, it's Ireland though there's always a chance that you know 
things will go right and we'll we'll get the look of the green and the look of the Irish etc <laughs> and we may get a favourable result but it would be so far against the run of play and so far against what human intelligence would would, would let you know that uh, you really are clutching at straws here OK well I mean of course like Denmark and Switzerland they're playing George and Gibraltar in their uh, seventh game and then of course uh, Denmark face Ireland so you know, Ireland still have that chance. So, you know, as um, Jim Carrey said in Dumb and Dumber, you know, so you're saying there's a chance. So, like one in a million. There we go. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm being very. The, the fact that you have, you have to select that, both that actor and both that movie, just tells us uh, where we're at in this day and age. We're not talking about the possibility of, you know, out football or putting them under pressure or anything like that. No. This... So, you're saying there's a chance. Okay, that's all I'm, I'm hoping for, Jonathan. Listen, you have a great Sunday night. Well done again for a great win for Liverpool. And we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Thank you, Jonathan. My, ple- my pleasure. Thank you, guys. Okay, that was Jonathan Higgins, of course, of New Soccer FM in Ireland. Of course, one of our, well, our show regular and a brilliant contributor as well. Okay, so we're going to go out to the break because, as we said, Liverpool are rising. We're going to hope Ireland are going to rise as well. We're going to hope that Russia rise as well next weekend. And we're going to ask Andrew Flint in just a couple of minutes because he will be back in the phone with us uh, to give us his tips and picks for the fall next week. So we will continue this rise. We'll begin it right now. We're going to have Mickey Echo and Watch Me Rise back after the break with Andrew Flint. So stay there. Don't go away. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Oh.
with Alan Moore. Okay, welcome back, folks, to Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. I am Alan Moore, and I'm, I'm sad to say we will be going away. I'd say we'll be going away. Okay, that's a song from uh, the Pogues. But um, <clears throat> we will be going quite soon. However, we have one more installment of Mr. Andrew Flint. We just can't get enough from just Man Mountain, like, you know, just big heap of man meat. Anyway, um, we're going to speak about uh, something very interesting right now to start off before he gives us a tip because himself and Andy Mack have put together some very, very good uh, tips for the uh, Euro 2020 qualifiers that will be very interesting for our English-speaking listeners there's all lots and lots of around <laughs> around you around the world listening to us but also as well for some Russian people as well who are thinking mm, what are we going to do next weekend what do you think of Russia because we usually as I said we are nailing it 75% of our tips are coming home right so before we go to Andrew and um, we start off uh, <clears throat> for the last couple of weeks and we didn't really f- well we followed it of course because that's what we do that's our job we follow it but we didn't sort of bring it out to light but we, we need to speak about a very British scandal. Okay, so a while ago there was a Dr. Freeman. He was working with British Cycling. He previously worked with Bolton Wanderers. Um, and also, uh, when Bolton Wanderers were a good side and not uh, basically bankrupt. Um, and when they were a good side and he worked with British Cycling and so on and so forth. And his little like, acolytes are now is one of is the, um, the performance coach, the, the medical doctor for the English soccer team. Of course, we know how good they are. Um, but this guy, Dr. Richard Freeman, now he, 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 he had said he'd lost his laptop so he didn't keep records of what he had given to the British cyclists from British Cycling and Team Sky, of course, now called Team Ineos. So this is like this absolute, like British Cycling was never that good. It would win, you know, an Olympic medal every, you know, couple of Olympics. They had like some decent pros on the, on the road, but never that, that great. And suddenly, boom, they exploded just like absolutely power fueled, whatever fueled, and really, really going for it. Now, um, there was Testagel, which is basically testosterone patches, like sachets, that were ordered to British Cycling Headquarters in Manchester back in, it would have been March or April 2011, um, and they were trying to figure out who did it. Now, when this, um, basically it was a tribunal, like a, a parliamentary, um, uh, or the, the General Medical Council, they, 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 they brought him and said, like, how has this happened? So there's all these facts, not accusations, but facts where this Dr. Freeman had broken the law, and many laws and so on and so forth. Um, and it was a medical tribunal hearing, and he didn't want to give evidence in front of other people. He had to be, it was like a mafia trial, basically. He had to be um, boarded off from other people because he was afraid of him. He said this guy, Shane Sutton, who then went off to China, like this Aussie guy, who incidentally was one of the people who were mentioned earlier on when he was like bullying female athletes and calling them fat and ugly and so on, and that they just go off and have babies because they're not good at cycling, even though they were quite good. Like uh, one cyclist, Jess Farnish, who we mentioned before. Um, so it turned around and said that he was bullied, okay? He was bullied into ordering these testosterone sachets for one of his, co- for Shane Sutton, this like doctor, um, but then said that they were, firstly said that they were mistakenly thing, uh, ordered, and right away in his statement at the start, okay, which was written in September, said that he had previously, now this is an in inverted commas, commas, told a lot of lies, but that this statement is truthful. Now, straight away, I go back, I go back nine years when I'm in Croatia, and I'm sitting there uh, with a friend of mine, we're visiting, and um, her daughter was 15, she'd sort of started to smoke a little bit, and she was running out to try and meet up with her friends and have a cigarette. I said to mum, oh, mum, 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 I want to go out to uh, go to the shop and buy something. And mum's like, well, it's nine o'clock at night, the shop will be closed. No, no, it's open the next street. And she goes, okay, but remember the last time you said that, um, you went out and you, you, you came back with a smell of smoke and you admitted you had a cigarette. She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I was lying that time, but not this time. 
So just think about that. He was lying before, but not now. Can happen, okay? And Freeman turned around and said, Shane Sutton specifically requested that I prescribed him test gel. I was bullied into prescribing it for him. Okay, because he had erectile dysfunction, this man Sutton. Now, Sutton is going to appear tomorrow and Tuesday at this prosecution. And he said that he's become the scapegoat for all this. And basically that he, he is being picked on. So this is like British cycling. And this goes all the way to the top of British government. All the way to the top. This is state-funded um, misdemeanors. And of course, all these great cyclists coming through. And we know there's a lot of things going on. So we're going to straight away back to uh, two men. It's quite late at night. I'll ask him what time it is. To Mr. Andrew Flint. Andrew, what, what's your take on this? I mean, it, it, does this go through British sport? Or is it just an isolated case, in your opinion? Well, I think one of the main things to remember is the image. Now, we live in Russia, and there's no beating around the bush. A lot of other, a lot of other countries look at sports in Russia with a huge amount of suspicion. I think, honestly, there is a an erosion of trust in cycling worldwide, not just in in Britain. Um, but what people are starting to realise is that. Uh, if you don't, um, well, let's shall we say, look for marginal gains, um, you are going to get left behind. So people trying to assume or try and believe that British cycling is clean are, are basically kidding themselves. Um, now, if you look at other sports, you look at um, you look at rugby, you look um, even at football, you look at the condition that athletes are in nowadays, and it is it is very very hard to believe that there is a completely clean sport in existence in the world. Um, how deep it goes is, well, that's, we'll have to wait and see how various investigations go. But I think it is, it is that it is only, well, certainly only one sport. Yeah, I mean, this is it. I mean, we, we, we have this, um, people saying, oh, like, you know, cycling's dirty, it's filthy and so on. I mean, I grew up watching cycling and loving it. Now, of course, when you turn off your brain and say, mm. ah, like, you know, you need to be on drugs. Like, you need to be on good drugs, go down that mountain that fast, <laughs> to go up that mountain so fast. Um, now, we did discuss before with uh, Thierry Villery about motor doping, which is for cycling, the cycling fraternity is worse. Now, for me, I think it's better. Um, but they're, they're thinking, no, this is going to make it like Formula One. But in, in any case, there is that case, there is that situation, like how would say, you can make the case for basically that, um, as was made la- a couple of weeks ago, I think, or last week by you and McKenna, a, a, a friend of the show, um, that should doping just be allowed? Like, should, should, should it just let go? Um, Andrew, I mean, is it a case now that we maybe have to look at this, at doping, at use of steroids and testosterone and EPO, um, and just say, look, well, do it, but do it safely. Should we, should we just say that? Is that what we want the world that our kids will go up and compete in? I mean, it's, it's actually no way that's what people want to happen. But if you want to be brutally honest, how on earth are you going to award, you know, winners of titles, um, reward performance when you just simply cannot at the moment, and I really struggle to see how it will be possible to do it in the future either, because people will always find a way to, to cut corners to, to get those extra gains that they need. Perhaps if you are interested in genuinely finding out who is the best, then this is what sport is. I mean, it's, it sounds awful to say that, and I don't condone it in a moral sense, but in a realistic sense, how can you judge um, who is the best nowadays? Because if... 
saying, look, this is how we're going to improve doping controls. This is how we're going to improve the moral stance of sports. But realistically, it's never going to be able, it's never going to be possible to completely guarantee a clean sport. So if you generally want to see who's the best, um, who is the best is not a measure of who is the best clean because you just can't guarantee everybody will be clean. Um, It's not ideal, but I mean, it's radical, but perhaps that is the way to to make it a level playing field. That's a good point. I mean, it is something to look forward to because, you know, you have these people who like winning and then they get stripped of their titles like 10 years later. We we, we know that we've seen the Olympics in 2012. one, one other issue as well is that um, I was speaking yesterday with a friend of mine here from Norway, Vegard, um, and as he said, like, you know, Norwegian cross-country skiing is, is great. I mean, the, the, the fans come out, they love it. It's a kind of a mark of pride. But they're all mm. asthmatics. And some of the best have actually failed tests. Um, and it's been kind of like almost covered up or hushed up. Um, and the same with Team Sky. Every single, and, uh, in, in the old Team Sky, and every single cyclist was an asthmatic. So I'm sorry. Like I mean, I, I have questions asked about that. All these wheezy boys who usually, you know, like, were coming last in races, are now flying, and they all have these TUEs, the therapeutic use exemptions, use these very strong drugs. Mm. May, you know, may, I, I don't know. Like I don't know. That's like I mean, people, like as 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 the oh. yeah. Go ahead, Andrew. Well, I mean, look, what I would say, Matt, is. When we think about, when we talk about doping, you've got to, I think you've got to remember as well, but most people have to remember this, the percentage advantage you get from doping is not sort of 100% advantage. You still have to be a bloody good athlete. You've still got to have mental strength. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's not that, that these athletes are completely incapable of competing without them. Uh, there is still some sporting ability there um it's just it's impossible to make it completely clean and and that's the thing i think we need to remember there is still some achievement there um i I think it's just very hard to say that there will ever be a a level playing field so do we bludgeon ahead looking for this or do we accept that it is never realistically going to happen and and just say okay look these five ten percent fifteen percent extra that you're gaining from whatever tues it is that's what sport is. I mean, it's, it's awful to say it, but that's just the reality, I think. Yeah, I, look, I, I agree with that. I mean, we can talk all night about it, and, and, and we have we've covered it extensively in the show. We've seen it here, uh, even in Russia, with, with, you know, with, with doping well, issues here, is that it just, it's, it, you know, you have to have that baseline of ability. And, you know, kind of the, the parliamentary, um, kind of the, the commission that was formed to discuss this about Team Sky said they had crossed an ethical line. In the final report said, we believe that drugs were being used by Team Sky within water rules to enhance the performance of riders and not just to treat medical need. And that's, I think, a little full stop. So it wasn't just because there were asthmatics, we get them an advantage. Now, mm-hmm. we're going to move slightly away, actually very, well, kind of away to a guy who had worked with UK Athletics and had forgotten to um, note down how much L-carotene he'd given to Mo Farah, of course, the man who was working with the Nike Origin Project, which is now under a different name, to Dr. Rob Chakravarti, uh, who is the medical performance doctor for Team England, because England have a big, big game against Montenegro uh, this week. And you reckon on Thursday night, of course, quarter to 11 uh, Moscow time, you, you know what the score is going to be roughly for that one, don't you? Well, I, I think it's not going to be a... 
in, but I mean, if you're looking for if you're looking for slightly more value um, in the markets, I think you need to be creative. So, I reckon I, I think England have a marginal amount of urgency. Um, now, Montenegro are not going to be a difficult side to beat. I mean, it's, it's it is patronising. It's it's very disrespectful to them. But the fact is, they are just simply not as good as England. England are scoring goals for fun. They've got the third equal top goal scorers in Harry Kane and Sterling in the qualifiers. So I, I, I seriously do think England will score a lot. I, I would tip over 4.5 goals if you want value um, in this Ooh. one. Now, the thing you've got to remember in the groups, England do need at least a point to guarantee qualification, but they will want to get first spot because it will make their seeding better for the finals next summer. Um, so... I think there's value in over 4.5 goals. You can get 7 to 4 for that, um, whereas the win is just, well, it's, it, there's no point going. I would go for over 4.5 goals at least. Okay, so... Um, and, and, and it, you know, if you want to add a bit of extra, well, yeah. Win both halves, Andrew. Win, well, sorry. to win both halves as well, I think is a, it's a slightly lower risk one. Um... England have scored eight goals in the first half of games, which is only Belgium have scored more um, out of all the European qualifiers. But Belgium have played four games at home. England have only played three. Um, they they scored five in the first half against Bulgaria, I think it was. So um, I, England are, are a team with so many players on form as well. It's not like they rely on just one target man anymore. Um, so to win both halves is, you know, they want a quick start. Um, Montenegro's, they, they've got nothing to play for. Their heads will drop in the second half. So I think it's a good value. Seven to ten you can find to win both halves, I think is... And a good and over 4.5 because of course England are top of that group on 15 points Czech Republic are second on 12 then you've got Kosovo on 11 and I mean the fight's going between Czech Republic and Kosovo for a second place a lot of Norwegian born lads playing for Kosovo there you go um, <clears throat> the other game of course you are looking at is the Russian-Belgium game um, you're looking at a draw yeah I mean I'm Perhaps being slightly sort of pseudo-patriotic on that one, but I actually do think there's real value to be found there. If you look at the if you look at the groups, Russia and Belgium are both qualified already, so they've done the main job. The pressure is off. They're not. There's no way they are both going to field all of their first choice players for the entire game at least. Um, Belgium need a point to get top spot. Which again, it's sort of how much do countries think about securing <clears throat> top spot? Still, with another game to go, um, so that's all they need. So there's not so much pressure on them. Um, they've only conceded one goal in the entire qualification campaign so far, and that was against Russia in the first game. And Russia themselves have only conceded once in the seven games since they failed Belgium, Belgium as well. So. I think a draw is pretty good value, but if you want even more value, add that to under 2.5 goals, and you can get 18 to 5. Um, oh. I think I think that is absolutely crack value. That is good. That is very, very good. Andrew, listen, <clears throat> thank you so much, and we'll be back on you next week, so you take, take care, stay warm. We're going to tweet out those uh, tips as well. I will do my best to speak to you guys next week. Thanks, Andrew. Okay, that's Andrew Flint, of course. Also, Heart of Football, he's working with them as well. So, uh, as always, a great contributor. Okay, so I want to thank Double N for his help on uh, the phones tonight. We we couldn't get Rob Hanrahan, but we, we, we had a great time this evening. So, again, next Saturday, okay, next Saturday, 
8 o'clock up in St. Pete's. We're looking for Russia under 2.5 goals and a draw, okay? And England to win both halves on Thursday and to score over 4.5 goals. Okay, we're going to go out now and we're going to wait for the week because there's sometimes you just can't talk anymore. Sometimes you just have to get up there on the table, on the chair, on the floor and dance. And that's what we're going to say. So I'm going to shut up. I'm going to dance my way out of the studio here with Double N. Go off into the plus nine evening. Have a great week, folks. Enjoy yourselves. Have lots and lots of sport. This is Walk the Moon and Shut Up and Dance. We'll be back next week, 9 to 11, on Capital Sports, Moscow's Capital FM. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Oh, don't you dare look back, just keep your